0: Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him, began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Pray the Lord bless the reading of his word. You know, when you read this passage of Scripture. One would think it was the most terrible thing, what Peter done, and I do not wish in any way to belittle his sin and offense against Christ, but I hope and pray that this morning we'll realize that there was more love and mercy in Christ chastening Peter than there actually was in him being blessed with a revelation of who Christ was. Christ would not leave Peter to himself. There is so much in our text that we can learn of ourselves and of the infinite mercy and grace of Christ toward us in spite of our many weaknesses and infirmities. For in many ways, Peter's actions are merely a reflection of our own hearts and lives. To know that we have truly received countless blessings of God, yet how often and how quickly we find ourselves falling by our own weaknesses and infirmities like that of Peter. And like Peter, many times, maybe not intentionally, many times we find ourselves like Peter in opposition to the perfect will of God. I should ponder that thought for a moment, because I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I believe Peter's intentions were not of themselves malicious. Peter actually thought he was being piously correct and honorable in defending Christ. And yet, he couldn't be farther from the truth of God and the purpose and will of God. I'm humbled when I consider that. For in 40 years of my Christian life, I must humbly confess, there are times I thought to be doing the right thing. Yet only to find out that it wasn't in God's perfect will. So let's not be too harsh on Peter. Though we seek not to justify condone his actions. But in many ways, Peter is a reflection of ourselves. And yet, like that with Peter, in every situation, the great mercy and grace of God and Christ Jesus never changes. Though Peter would walk on the water for but a brief moment, when his faith began to fail, Christ reached down and straightway drew him up, helping his unbelief. When Peter and his love for Christ was in question, and he denied Christ three times, it was Christ who would in love restore Peter. Lovest thou me, Peter? And even now, when Peter deserves the sharpest of all criticisms Christ ever gave to his disciples. Even now we see the great mercy and love and patience of Christ towards Peter. So you see, Christ's love is unchanging. Whether our faith fail and we fail to walk on waters, whether our love for Christ falters, and whether we even sin against Christ and against the perfect will of God, Christ shall never change. Never change. His love will always be the same. And even in the sharpest rebuke, we can see the most tender and most compassionate love and mercy of our God. What an amazing God we serve. What an amazing God. Oh, to grace how great a debtor. Do we understand the depth of that sentence? Christ's great love for Peter was seen in his great chastising of Peter. For what Christ would allow in others who are not His own, He would not allow in His own. Like any loving father or mother, what others are allowed to do because they're not their own, they're not allowed to do in our house. And it's because we love our children. It would be a very poor father who would let his children have their wayward way, would it not? So children, take that little sound scriptural advice there as the chastisements of God are at first not pleasant, but rather uncomfortable, but afterwards Yield as peaceable fruits of righteousness when your parents chasten you. It's not because they don't love you, it's because they love you so very, very much. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, Hebrews twelve sixty eight. if ye endure chastening, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, now listen to this, if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers then you're bastards and not sons. So you see, when God leads us to ourselves, we're like bastards and not sons. So though the chastising of Peter was very sharp and severe, a if you could say so, it was out of love for Peter that Christ would chasten him. Because he would not allow that in Peter, who was his own, as he would allow that in others who were not. The best example or comparison is Judas. Judas, though access he was numbered with the apostles and having even obtained part of his ministry, would be left alone when Satan entered into him, he'd be left alone. Even permitted by Christ, when Christ says, that which thou doest, doest quickly. Christ leads him to Satan to do his bidding. Because Judas was not one of his own. You hear this morning without Christ. God is not your father, but Satan. And without Christ, Christ leaves you alone to do the bidding of your father. Yet with Peter, at the first sign of Satan's temptation, at the very first sign of Satan's temptation, would receive the sharpest chastisement from Christ. But he turned and said unto Peter, verse 33, Get thee behind me, said immediately. Just as though as when, Christ, when Peter was sinking, he immediately stretched forth his arm. Here, the first sign of Satan tempting his own, Christ intervenes and chastens and rebukes Peter. Protecting Peter because he loves Peter. Oh, it was sharp and most certainly painful. Christ would protect his own from the wiles of Satan and from Peter himself. It is whom the Lord loveth. Proverbs 3.12 says, it is whom the Lord loveth that He would correct. Correct means to bring back. You're going the wrong way. Correct you. To bring back, to punish you. It is whom the Lord loveth that he would correct, even as a father the son in whom he, I love this, delighteth. Christ's sharp rebuking of Peter was proof that he delighted in Peter. If he didn't, he would have left him alone, like Judas Aren't you thankful, child of God, that we have such a loving Father and Savior that will protect us not only from Satan but from ourselves? And when chastening is needed, He does it. But always, always, remember the exhortations of Hebrews. Never let yourself be discouraged by that. Never let yourself be downcast or disheartened by that. But always be reminded that though the chastisement at first is not pleasant, nevertheless, it will afterwards yield peaceable fruits of righteousness. That It's called faith. To those who have truly come to know the waywardness and fickleness of their own hearts, it is a terrible and unimaginable terror to be left to themselves. Leave me not to myself. Let me not have my own way. I know the fickleness of my heart. I know the waywardness of my heart. O oh, dear God, leave me not to myself. For the righteous, like that of the psalmist, boldly declares, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right. And that thou in faithfulness in faithfulness, has afflicted me. You've afflicted me because of your faithfulness to me. Do you see why a true believer looks at themselves and says, there's nothing good in my hands I bring, I simply to the cross I cling. There's nothing good in myself. Any good that I might have is because of Christ. And if it were not of Christ and the grace of God, I would be nothing. I am truly indebted to grace daily for keeping me, preserving me. You talk about the assurance of the believer's salvation. It rests in Christ, not in myself. Because Christ will not leave me, neither to Satan, thank God, nor to myself. For though no chastening for the present, for the present, for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous, like I've quoted twice already, nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peaceable fruits of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And listen to the wise words of Solomon in Proverbs 20, 30, considering chastisements. Listen to this The blueness of the wound cleanseth away the blueness, the black and blue marks, the blueness of the wound, Proverbs said, cleanses away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. That's wisdom. And a child of God, by God's grace, learns that with time and with trials. They learn that. That though I might be spiritually bruised by God, I'm not forsaken. And that bruising (laughs) <laughs> cleanses away evil. And though He stripes me, the inward part is healed. Amazing. Thus Christ gives the following exhortations after bruising Peter. He would not leave Peter alone. He would chasten him, but He'd also in that chastisement he would instruct Peter as well as every disciple and us today. He would instruct us. The wound is yet blue in Peter. And yet during that time, he would instruct his heart and his mind that he might receive these divine exhortations. I'm telling you, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but with every time the Bible talks about chasing our sons, our children, it's because we want to teach them something. It's teaching them a lesson. Christ wouldn't just merely chasten Peter and leave him alone. He chastens Peter and why the wound is yet blue and the stripes are still fresh. He says, Now you're ready for this exhortation. Now you're ready by this. You've been humbled by me. Now listen, same thing he did in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Before he gave them that encouragement, he troubled their hearts. You're all going to forsake me. One of you is going to deny me three times. One of you is going to betray me. But then he says, let not your heart be troubled. Their hearts must be prepared to receive that divine promise. And so here, to receive this divine exhortation, Peter was humbled, and while he was yet humbled, while he was yet blue from the stripes, Christ now exhorts Peter and says, now listen. Now listen. Don't we do that to our children? If you're a good father, you, you are. After you chasten them, you set them down and you instruct them. Now let me explain to you. Let me teach them to you. Let me tell you why I chastened you. We don't just merely chasten our children and leave it at that. No, we want them to learn from that. And the best part to learn is when they're broken. We learn many times first when we're broken. And so the Lord would give this divine exhortation. Verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, pursue the same things I pursue." There's a difference. In this verse, he says here, and let me read it, "...if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take his cross, and follow me." He says, come after me first. And it's in regards to Peter's chastening, the chastening of Peter. We need to understand that. If you're going to pursue the same things I pursue... If you're going to desire the same things I desire, Christ says, I'm telling you now, from this time forth, I'm telling you that I'm going to be, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be raised again. That's what I'm pursuing. And Peter said, no, you're not. Christ says, no, oh, no, 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 no. If you're going to pursue after me, if you're going to pursue after the same things I am, you need to do something. You need to be aware that you need to deny yourself. We need to understand this in the light of this exhortation. The sharp rebuke of Christ was in measure to the great offense of Peter. Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Christ just said it would be. So Peter was not pursuing or following after or coming after Christ. He was going his own way, choosing his own thing. So this is the exhortation. If any man will come after me, Peter, you're not coming after me. You're not pursuing after the same things. So Christ gives him this exhortation. Yet Peter rebuked him. This was a great offense against Christ and the will of God. It's a a very great offense what Peter did. I I do not wish to belittle that. Even though we see God's love and his chastening, this was a great offense against Christ. Christ said himself, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. It was a great offense against Christ and the will of the Father. For in doing so, Peter was savoring the things that be of men and not of God. Which was of itself, Christ declares, to be satanic. When we favor the things of men or the things of ourselves above that of Christ, we're actually doing something very satanic. Therefore the Lord gives this great exhortation. And so listen, we need to we need to learn from this. There's so much to learn out of this text. If any man will come after me, pursue the same divine purpose, the thing and things of me, the same that I'm pursuing,
1: let him
0: deny himself. Now we're fixing to get on a text that has been a great controversy, especially amongst those who believe in the doctrines of grace. But I pray that God will give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that we might perceive this. Because Christ is saying, if any man come after me, we've seen that last night. If any man will come after me, he said, let him deny himself. You must deny yourself if you're going to pursue the same things I'm pursuing. Listen to me because this is very important for us. Because we live in a day and age where Christians are not denying. We have a false false understanding of denying self. We think, well, if I forget food, if I just fast for a little bit, I'm denying myself. No, most of the time, people fast because they're selfish. There's a reason for fasting, and it's never for yourself. And fasting should always be uh, in accompaniment of seeking God's divine will in something. But nowadays, that's just one part. But nowadays, Christians are not denying themselves. I won't get into it much further now, but maybe later. That's why we have a lot of divisions and schisms amongst God's people. They're not denying themselves. Everybody's seeking their own. Everybody thinks too highly of themselves and their own opinions, and therefore you have schism, division. Self-denial is a lack, is a lost virtue amongst many Christians today. We have no idea what denying self, denying oneself is so we need to pay attention to what Christ is saying here. First of all, Christ is speaking in regards of following after him, pursuing the same things he's pursuing. Though Peter may have believed himself and his rebuking of Christ was sincere and heartfelt, and I believe Peter really was sincere. He was, in reality a great offense against Christ and his Father. Now consider that for a minute. Peter does something that he believes, I believe, was sincere. He still thought Christ was going to establish a literal kingdom. He's unaware of everything Christ just told them. even though Christ was telling them that. If you read the Scriptures, they were not aware yet of the crucifixion and everything going on. He really still thought Christ was going to set up a kingdom. Oh no, oh no, somebody's going to try to kill you? I'm going to stop that. Just like he said, well, I'm not going to deny you. The others might, but I will. I, I doubt not his sincerity. But it was still an offense to God's will. His rebuking of Christ was selfish. Listen to me. And therefore Christ says, you're savoring, you're relishing, you're delighting in the things of men and of God. You're thinking of yourself. And Peter was, though he thought he was being sincere. Peter was actually thinking of himself. I'm not going to let that happen to you. Christ said, oh no, you're savoring the things that are God. Why is that so important? Follow me. Many are quick to condemn Peter. Yet in reality, Peter's actions are merely a mirror of ourselves. For too often, dearly beloved, even the best of saints relish or delight or savor the things that be of themselves and not of God's, believing themselves to be pious and sincere. Pay attention to me, please. You need to list this. If any man come after me, let him deny himself. Self and selfish desires. And I believe if you've been saved for any amount of time you'll agree with this. Self and selfish desires are not always at first detected or realised. They're not. We think we're doing something sincere and right. The question of it is, is it really for the cause of Christ or for ourselves? But it often disguises itself under a pretense of being sincere and even pious, like Peter. When in reality, we're still seeking our own. Sometimes it's hard for us to differentiate between the two. Selfishness is so embedded into our nature that even after conversion... Christ proves it here, deny yourself. It still is one of the greatest oppositions to following Christ itself. It's not Satan. Here he says, he doesn't say, if any man come after me, let him deny Satan. He says, no, deny yourself. You see, Peter opened the door for Satan. Peter allowed that to happen because Peter was being selfish. And sometimes we can't differentiate between the two. Because we think too highly of ourselves and our opinions, even our convictions. Oh, how we've seen that amongst Christians who hold doctrinal truths, and then they get almost bitter and angry when people oppose them. Because we think too highly of ourselves and what we know. And it's not that we're contending for the truth, we're contending for ourselves. Our own pride, our own arrogancy. I know better than you. You see, self, self has many, many disguises. And sometimes, at first, it's hard to be detected because it disguises itself under a pretense of being sincere and even pious. Be as far from thee, Lord. He even used the name Lord. He's reverent. Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not. Even though Peter thought he was being sincere and looking out for the things of Christ, perhaps even his pride was a little bit elevated by his previous revelation. My Father is the one that revealed this unto you, not flesh and blood. Maybe pride had a little bit to do with it. I'm sure if we're all like Peter, and we are, I'm sure there was an element of pride in there as well. Didn't help things. Notice that Peter was blind to the divine purpose of Christ's coming and the sufferings, his death, and his resurrection. Peter was blind to that. Peter actually thought he was doing the will of God. Keep that in mind when we're talking about denying yourself. It's not uncommon. It's still a great offense against Christ. For believers, when God's divine purpose is, And intentions are yet unknown that our hearts begin to stand in opposition to the things and purposes of God, even though we claim we're not. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So many Christians in this day and age are living their lives not in accordance to Scripture. Even though they know Scripture declares these things to be true, they're still not living their lives in accordance to Scripture. But they still will profess that they're doing what God told them to do. well, I don't need to be part of the church. What Scripture say? Oh, well, God justifies what I'm doing. Oh, is it God or are you seeking yourself? You see, denying self is much more than physically abstaining from doing pleasures for the flesh. I mean, the Pharisees fasted a lot. Didn't get them anywhere. You can deny yourselves a lot of fleshly things. That doesn't mean you're spiritual. Nothing we do in the flesh can ever produce something spiritual. I wish believers would grasp that spiritual truth. Nothing you do in the flesh can produce anything spiritual. Now, if you do something in the flesh because you're spiritually motivated by God to do it, that's a different case. But we do it for self. It's not going to get us any spirituality. And Christians get frustrated. I'm telling you, we do more for ourselves than we actually are willing to admit a lot of things in our Christian life, we do it for self-satisfaction and not for Christ. As we'll see, Lord willing, next week, we won't have time this morning to get into it, denying self is, 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 is a great task. It requires much more than most believers understand. You're denying something that you think very highly of, whether you want to admit that or not. We, even in our humility, we're full of pride, are we not? It is then, when we realize that, that we must exercise the greatest self-denial, trusting in the Lord with all our hearts, and leaning not unto our own understanding. Beloved, always suspect yourself. Always. The principle is the same with the beam and the splinter. Before you take the splinter out of your breath, take the beam out of your own. The principle is the same. Always suspect self. Paul said we have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence in the flesh. Self can disguise itself in many different forms and fashions. And it can be just as pious as the best saint outwardly and still be for self. The greatest opposition, if any man will come after me, pursue the same things as Christ, pursue the same things I want. Peter, I'm going to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be killed and I'm going to be raised again. That's what I'm pursuing. And you're going the opposite directions. If you come after me, if you pursue the same things I do, you can only do that by denying yourself. Because the greatest opposition to the believers coming after Christ, pursuing the same things as He is, is self. That's our greatest opposition itself so Christ says deny it it's not an easy task without grace impossible <laughs> I think we've all learned that without grace is impossible but it's still a duty, a responsibility Christ has given us. And this is where many people who believe in the doctrines of grace fail because they, they really misinterpret what Christ is saying. Christ is saying, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. There's a responsibility. There's an obligation Christ lays on our shoulders. He says, I'm not bearing that for you. You're going to deny yourself. Oh, whatever it will be, will be. God sovereignly ordained everything, even every sin in my life. It's fanaticism. It's not faith and it's not scriptural. Read the exhortations in Scripture. Examine yourself. Prove yourself. Strive the internet at the straight gate. And then, you know, we know all the arguments for that. People will take it and uh, put it in the dispensation someplace else that doesn't belong or say, well, that's not really what he's talking to. And some will say, well, that's not talking to Christians. That's talking to these people. They'll try anything in the world to kind of get away from that. But here's the responsibility Christ lays on each and every true believer. If you're going to come after me, if you're going to pursue the same things that I pursue, you're not going to be able to do that until you deny yourself. You have to deny yourself. Nothing short of great self-denial will enable us to fully come after Christ. I'm not talking about salvation. Christ isn't talking about salvation. I'm not talking about working for your salvation. Deny yourself so you can be saved. No, he's talking to his disciples, those who know Christ. If you know Christ, if you're saved, you're born again, the grace of God is in your hearts, you've been born again by the Spirit of God, Christ says, okay, if you're going to pursue the same thing I am, you must learn to deny yourself. Beloved, I believe it has been proven to be very detrimental and spiritually harmful to many professing believers, especially, like I said, amongst those who profess to know the sovereign grace of God, who deny, even reject, this divine exhortation to self-denial. The greatest opposition coming after Christ, pursuing what He pursues, is self. Now, a lot of these believers will not make the same mistake or the same sin as what's declared in Scripture. They don't change the grace of God into lasciviousness, according to Jude, James, and the others. But they do make the grace of God or look at it so that they can live loosely. I have never seen, and don't misunderstand this statement, I'm not, I'm not saying it's justified. But I've never seen people more living more loosely as Christians than those who believe in the doctrines of grace. Many of those. Because they hide behind God's sovereign grace. It doesn't matter what I do. And then I look at those who are Arminian. And surely they're just as wrong. And they're striving and doing the best they can to live the Christian life. Uh, sacrificing a lot, doing a lot. I know a lot of it's in the flesh. But then you look on the other side and you see those who are hiding behind the sovereign grace of God and it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I do If I go to church, a member of church, it doesn't matter. God knows my heart. If I sin, it doesn't matter. God knows my heart. Everything's all foreordained by God and so I can just sit back and sometimes I wonder what Bible they're reading because you surely can't find that in Scripture and you can't find it in our text. The denying of self is divine remedy against so many obstacles in our Christian life. Do you know that? Denying of ourself, beloved, this divine balm, this uh, divine remedy, could heal a lot of problems amongst Christians. Beginning with schisms and divisions, we think too highly of ourselves. We'll look at that a little bit next week, but. Before the fall, uh, that which man loved and admired and adored over everything was God. Since the fall, man's replaced that with himself. He admires himself, he thinks too highly of himself. In fact, it's such an opposition. Uh, scripture says as Christians, we need to mortify it, kill it. The deeds of the flesh, deny yourself. Let us be weary and take heed from Peter's chastising and also of the rebuke and the exhortation. Let us be, let us be aware of self. It can decide, disguise itself in many different things. This is why the psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me today, see if there's any wicked way in me. And, and cleanse me from ever. Psalm 139. That's why he desires that. Lord, keep me from presumptuous sins. Lord, help me. Examine me. Let me not fall to the sin of self. But let me always scrutinize myself in the light of God's Word and the light of God's grace. So that whatever I do, I can truly say with all my heart that it's not self that seeks this. But I'm seeking those things that are Christ. Again, I remind you, in closing this morning, this is so important to understand the chastening, the rebuking of Christ with this exhortation. Because he's saying basically to Peter and all disciples and every Christian, if any man will come after me, if you're going to pursue the same thing I am, I'm going to Jerusalem to suffer and to die and raise again. That's what I'm pursuing. If you're going to follow me down that road, you need to deny yourself. Otherwise, you're going to savor the things that are of men and not of God. we must exercise the greatest self denial Amen. Amen. So may God give us grace to ever learn this. Like I said, I, I hope and pray that you'll indulge me as I go through this passage of Scripture. Like I said in the beginning, there's so much in this text to be learned. I I, I don't want to briefly go over it just to move on to something else. Lord, help us to be able to milk this Word of God until... We've gotten all that we have need, which Christ has ordained for us because there's so much here to be learned from Peter and Christ and his exhortation. There's so much here to be. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. See, it's, it's, it's responsibility and obligation on our part. You deny yourself and you take up your cross. You take it up. It's almost as the Lord said, I'm not going to pick it up for you. I'm not going to let you take it up Now you follow me. Once you've learned to deny me, or yourself, deny yourself, excuse me, once you've learned to deny yourself, and you've taken up your cross, now, as I'm pursuing the will of God, and suffering and dying, and being raised again for you, now you can pursue the same things I do. But not until you deny yourself, take up your cross. Then, then you can follow me. Come after me, follow me. Amen. Very important. May God grant us much grace to contemplate, meditate on these things this next week and may we learn from Peter. Amen. and um, From God's unchanging mercy and grace. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, how it truly reveals unto us those things that are detrimental for our spiritual life. Namely, self. Help us, Lord God, we pray. learn from the text. And Lord, even though Peter received the sharpest rebuke that's recorded in Scripture, yet Lord, it was out of love and mercy and grace that Christ rebuked him, for he would not leave him to himself nor to Satan, unlike Judas, Lord, who died and went to his own place. Father, I pray that you guide us and direct us now, help us, Lord God, to ever scrutinize and be suspicious of self. And may we ever examine every motive, every desire, everything in the light of Scripture and in the light of Your grace. And may You truly search our hearts and know us, we pray. See if there's any wicked way in us. Let us not lean under our understanding, but trust in You with all our hearts and acknowledge You in all our ways so that You might lead our path. And ourselves. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray.